Hey everyone, welcome to Intersectionalize It, a podcast focusing on assessing and sharing the intersectionality among cultures and a wide variety of other topics. These episodes stem from curiosity and the feeling of exclusion. Knowing history is important to me, and what's even more important is looking at historical events through a holistic lens. I like to find the interconnectedness among cultures, communities, and identities, because in some way, everything connects. This specific episode came about after writing my term paper, Changing the Narrative, for my environmental ethics course. All the history that was being taught in that course about the early years of shaping America's environment was solely based on Eurocentric Canadian or American views. Simply, the class content was very white. While I understand that the majority who had the freedom to express or participate in environmental discussions were white men, does not mean that in other communities, discussions and actions were not happening. So why were black indigenous and other people of color not included in such conversations? I'm not sure, but things need to change. I'm here to make that happen. Side note, each episode I will specify the community or identity that will be focused on because this helps to keep things simple when discussing the intersection of several topics. However, since the umbrella term for this podcast relates to intersectionality, there will be other groups, time periods, and identities referred to within each episode. Today's topic, early Black contributions in environmental ethics. Based on the definition in Stanford's Encyclopedia of Philosophy, environmental ethics is the discipline in philosophy that studies the moral relationship of human beings to, and also the value and moral status of, the environment and its non-human contents. Collective information about the Black influence on the shaping of America's environmental morals are scarce. While I understand that Black people did not have the opportunity to express their environmental concerns on a greater scale, in the sense of being invited to environmental conventions and conferences to take part in greater discussions, does not mean that the Black community and prominent Black figures have not contributed to this field. They should not be excluded from today's conversations of environmental ethics either. Several racial groups and identities make up America, not just one. Therefore, many cultures and people have contributed to the formation of environmental morals in the United States. But usually when talking about environmental ethics, the name Otto Leopold, Theodore Roosevelt, or Rachel Carson will usually come up. But names like W.E.B. Du Bois and Zora Neale Hurston are unlikely to be mentioned. W.E. Du Bois was an influential African-American rights activist in the early 20th century. And Zora Neale Hurston was a world-renowned writer and anthropologist who's best known for her novel, Their Eyes Were Watching God. Many wouldn't think of them as contributors to the environmental ethics field or environmentalism at all, but they were. While Du Bois is known for his civil rights activism and writings, he is also an advocate for nature. In 1930, Du Bois delivered a keynote speech to graduates of Thoreau's High School emphasizing the importance of cleaning up the Housatonic River because it was morally right and could set a civilized way of living for future generations. Du Bois said, begin quote, the thing that has happened in this valley has happened in hundreds of others. The town, the whole valley has turned its back upon the river. They have sought to get away from it. They have neglected it. They have used it as a sewer, a drain, a place for throwing their waste and their offal. Mills, Homes and farms have poured their dirt and refuse into it. We should rescue the Housatonic and clean it as we have never thought to clean it before and restore its ancient beauty, perhaps, who knows, of a new way of civilized life, end quote. Du Bois is speaking 
on taking care of nature as nature has cared for us. He is calling on younger generations to set the tone of more obligations for what needs to be done to take care of the mess created in the Housatonic and elsewhere. But with those changes needs to come caution and respect for nature to prevent a state of no return. This idea of prevention and caution when developing society in the environment showed in Du Bois's speech. His call to action to the graduates and townspeople is akin to that of historian and professor William Cronin. Cronin expressed his ideas of people being the ones to make the ultimate choice of destroying or preserving nature. He emphasized in his book, Uncommon Ground, toward reinventing nature, that there will always be modifications done for the growth of human civilization and in his character as well. Du Bois checked up on his hometown from time to time to see if any changes in favor of the environment were happening. There was none. So three decades later, when asked to speak at another upcoming high school graduation, he respectfully declined and explained that no improvement has been done to the Housatonic River. The Housatonic River has received no justice. So as you can see, Du Bois focused on change by starting in a small place, his own town of Great Barrington. His confidence and persistence to stand for something that was detrimental to nature is admirable. It reminds us of the general message of Leopold's essay, The Land Ethic, in that the land's health is being determined by human actions. And Du Bois saw that and did something about it. Zora Neale Hurston is another essential figure in advocating for the environment or just simply showing appreciation towards it. She expresses this appreciation through her films, books, and letters. Hurston's activism for the environment is very subtle as she does not explicitly demand people to do what is right, but simply shows her appreciation for nature and how it has impacted her life. This unintentional technique helps to reduce the pressure of the various demands to save the environment. She is helping to spread the message of nature appreciation to a different audience that may be more receptive to her style. Hurston shares her concerns about the continued racial struggles in the early 20th century for African-Americans, but at the same time managed to advocate for nature's essential purpose. In her novel, Their Eyes Are Watching God, she uses the beauty and uniqueness of nature to express the main characters, who is Janie, journey to finding self-love. Begin quote, spending every minute that she could steal from her chores to come and gaze on a mystery. The rose of the world was breathing out smell. It followed her through all her waking moments and caressed her in her sleep. It connected itself with other vaguely felt matters that have struck her outside observation and buried themselves in her flesh. Now they emerged and quested about her consciousness, stretched on her back beneath the pear tree, soaking in the alto chant of the visiting bees, the gold of the sun, and the panting breath of the breeze when the inaudible voice of it all came to her. She had been summoned to behold a revelation. She felt an answer seeking her. But where? When? How? Oh, to be a pear tree, end quote. This section of her book is vivid and explicit of the tree's impact on Janie, reawakening her pure jovial spirit and providing the revelation of realizing her worth. The details go without showing the visuals and message of self-love that Hurston wanted to get across to her readers. While this may be a small token or seem far-fetched from the discussions within environmental ethics, it is not. Essentially, self-reflection and behavioral changes are a major part of the solution to preserving nature. Everyone needs to do their part, no matter how big or small, to improve conditions within the environment. And the beginning of serving or helping anyone or anything else usually starts from within.
So that's on that for today's episode. Lots of history there on the intersectionality of Black contributions towards nature. For more modern, intersectional environmental content, check out the works below. From environmental sociologist Dr. Dorcita Taylor, eco-feminist philosopher Carolyn Merchant, and intersectional environmental activist Leah Thomas. These amazing people, along with many others, are actively working to reveal the intersectionality within environmentalism through their work and platforms. Things are being done. People are taking action. So I have hope for nature. I have hope for humanity. This right here tells us that it's never too late to do or say something. It's never too late to make that difference that the world needs.